0: Our scripture lesson is taken from the Gospel of John, John chapter 8, beginning at verse 12 on page 1,232, 1,232 in the Pew Bible, John 8, the Gospel of John chapter 8, beginning at verse 12 and reading through verse 20. John 8, verse 12, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered them and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am the one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. And they said to him, "Where is your father?" Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. As far as the reading of God's word, may he add his blessing to it. Beloved of the Lord, I want to direct your attention today to the words of Jesus in verse 12. I am the light of the world. And he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. This is the second of Jesus' great I am statements found in the Gospel of John. There are uh, seven of them. We've uh, considered one of them already. I am the bread of life. And uh, now we have I am the light of the world. Later on, uh, Lord willing, we... Uh, We'll see, I am the door, and uh, then I am the good shepherd, and then I am the resurrection and the life, and then I am the way, the truth, and the life, and then I am the vine. Seven great I am statements of Jesus. But our focus today is on this statement, I am the light of the world. Now, I want you to see that this is, uh, first of all, uh, an amazing metaphor That uh, Jesus is using here, just like uh, I am the bread of life is a metaphor. So this also is a metaphor, a figure of speech that uh, creates a a very vivid and direct comparison between Jesus and uh, the light of the world. Uh, It's a powerful metaphor and it is a, a claim to divinity. Uh, That's the second thing that we want to look into today. And then thirdly, uh, its significance for us, which is found uh, very clearly in the latter part of verse 12, uh, the need to follow him. If he is the light of the world, and indeed he is, uh, then uh, we need to follow him. And we want to explore what that means to follow Jesus. But first, let's look at this metaphor. I am the light of the world. Uh, He's creating here a, a comparison between himself and that which is the light of the world. And what is the light of the world? Well, the light of the world is the sun, the sun that shines in the sky uh, for uh, approximately uh, half of uh, every day. It varies, of course, according to the seasons, the length of the sunlight. But uh, it's up there uh, half the time uh, lighting up our world, the sun. And Jesus is uh, saying, I'm just like that. I am the light of the world. Now, there, the point of comparison between Jesus and the sunlight that we have from uh, our uh, star at the center of our solar system is uh, quite profound. Uh, the, uh, the sun does uh, three great things for us. It's, it's the source of all uh, life on earth. You know, life on earth could not exist without the sun. Uh, most of our uh, uh, food comes from plants or from animals that eat plants. So uh, uh, plants are the the, the basic uh, food stuff of our lives. Without food, we can't survive. And and plants can't grow without sunlight. Uh, my son uh, in Orange City tried t- recently to raise uh, tomato plants. Uh, from seed in his basement uh, using just uh, an ordinary uh, light bulb. It didn't work. It, it needs sunlight. Uh, the sunlight has to be on it or at least uh, some kind of grow light that uh, simulates uh, sunlight because uh, we need the sun to, to make the light grow, to make the plants grow so that we can have food. It's also the case that without uh, the heat of the sun, we'd all freeze to death. You know, if the sun went out, not only would all the plants die, but uh, we'd uh, quickly, uh, before we could starve to death, we'd, we'd freeze to death. So uh, we need sunlight as uh, to sustain our lives. It's the source of life. But not only is sunlight the source of life, sunlight is also the source of uh, knowledge and, and truth, You know, try navigating around your house at night in the dark without any lights on. You'll soon stub your toe and bump your nose and uh, you'll be in a great deal of pain. Uh, We uh, are able to uh, drive our cars and not uh, run into trees because the light reveals where the border of the road is and where the white line is. And without light, uh, we can't see, we can't navigate. Uh, driving at night is much more hazardous than driving by day because uh, light is very limited at night. And so we we have bright headlights and we have street lights and all to try to uh, compensate for the fact that the light of the sun isn't there to guide us. We we need the light of the sun to reveal the world around us and give us knowledge of the world around us to uh, show us the way that we should go. We need light uh, for knowledge and truth. We need it for life. And thirdly, we need it for joy. Uh, sunlight is, is a source of great joy. In late 2007, I received a call to be pastor of a church uh, 450 miles north of uh, Montana. Uh, it's uh, still central Alberta there. Uh, not northern Alberta, central Alberta, but it's uh, probably the most northern area populated Alberta. And I, I was warned before I went not to accept the call because I would suffer from seasonal affective disorder if I went there. Uh, seasonal affective disorder, uh, also known as SAD, is a kind of depression caused by lack of sunlight. Uh, There are a couple of months uh, during the year there where you have only about uh, eight hours of sunlight in the day and sometimes it can be overcast so that even when there is sunlight it's not very bright and a lot of people suffer depression because of that uh, lack of sunlight. Uh, You know as well that uh, on days like today when the sun is hidden by the clouds, it's It's gloomy and it's depressing. And uh, the first time the clouds break and a bright ray of sunshine comes through and you see it, it it thrills your heart. It's it's a source of joy. Uh, Sunlight indeed is a source of life. It's a source of knowledge and it's a source of joy. There's one other point of comparison between Jesus and the light of the sun. And that is that the light of the sun can be very dangerous. Uh, It can uh, hurt you. You know, every time there's an eclipse, what do we hear on the news all the time? Don't look directly at the sun because if you look directly at the sun even when it's hidden by the moon uh, or mostly obscured by the moon, if you look directly at it, it could burn your retina and blind you. And uh, that is indeed the case. Uh, uh, if it weren't for our uh, very uh, large atmosphere around the earth, uh, filtering out many of the harmful effects of the sun, uh, we would all be burned to a crisp by the sunlight. Uh, even with the atmospheric filtering that goes on uh, of sunlight to uh, protect us, it's still the case that people who spend too much time in the sun uh, risk all kinds of skin cancer from overexposure to the sun. And so the, the, the sunlight is it's a source of life. It's a, a source of knowledge. It's a source of joy. But it's also dangerous. Uh, it needs to be mediated. It needs to be filtered. We need to have something to be between us and it. And uh, Jesus is like that in every respect. Uh, Jesus is the source of our lives. Uh, without Him, we are children of wrath, deserving of death. But He has come to give us the gift of life. We read in the beginning of John's Gospel, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Or in John 10, verse 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly or John 20 verse 21 these things are written so that you may believe and by believing you may have life in his name uh John 6:47 uh, whoever believes has eternal life Jesus came Uh, to rescue us from death and to give us life. Just as the sun in the sky brings life to the world, Jesus brings life to dead sinners and makes them alive again. Jesus is also a source of knowledge and truth. Uh, Again, John 1, the light shines in the darkness, the darkness of unbelief, the darkness of sin, but the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. The true light, which enlightens. You want enlightenment? You want the lights to go on in your head so that you can understand? So that you can make sense of things? Then you need Jesus. Jesus is the light who enlightens every one of us. Grace and truth. Come through Jesus Christ, says John in his John one seventeen. And in John eight, Jesus Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus is a source of life, Jesus is a source of truth. His word is truth and as he gives us his word. We learn the truth of ourselves, the truth of God, and the truth of how we are saved through faith in Him. Jesus is not only our life and not only our truth, He is also our joy. Uh, again, uh, the Gospel says, uh, John, the Gospel of John 15, uh, 15, verse 11, These things I have spoken it to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Or John 17, these things I spoke in the world, that they, my disciples, may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And Jesus came uh, that we might have joy. Uh, even though we suffer grief uh, through many trials, says Peter in his epistle, uh, uh, we can nevertheless rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Because we are receiving the outcome of our faith. The salvation of our souls. Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is the source of knowledge and truth. And Jesus is the source of joy. Uh, but, Jesus is also uh, dangerous. Uh, his light exposes all that is evil. Uh, those who... Uh, uh, Love evil, hate the light, and uh, those who practice uh, wickedness uh, hate Jesus because his light exposes their evil deeds. If you're doing things in secret of which you are ashamed and which you want no one to know about, you can be sure that the light that is Jesus will, sooner or later, either in this life or at the final judgment, expose all your wicked deeds. And you ought to be fearful of that. Humble yourselves and repent while it is still the day of salvation. Because His light will expose everything. His light is dangerous. The most amazing thing about this metaphor is not that Jesus is like the sun. Really the most amazing thing is that God created the sun. So that we would know what Jesus is like. It's the same with marriage. God created the institution of marriage, not as an end in itself, because marriage isn't forever. Marriage isn't for eternity. Uh, God created the institution of marriage to illustrate the eternal relationship between Christ and the church. (laughs) Christ, uh, God created bread so that we would understand Jesus. God created water so that we would understand Jesus. And God created the sun in the sky so that we would understand Jesus. All of these things point to Him. Uh, He is revealed to us in all the things that are around us. Uh, Because He is the light of the world, indeed we should look to Him and humbly follow Him. He promises, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. But Jesus is more. Uh, the, Jesus' statement here, "I am the light of the world," is more than just a, a metaphor. It is also a claim to divinity. Now, uh, you may wonder why John writes at the end of this passage, at the end of this uh, verse twenty. He taught this in the temple. And no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. What does that mean? Well, what John is saying to his readers is, you've just heard what Jesus said, and you might well expect that based on what he said, they would grab him immediately and in fury and anger at at, uh, supposed blasphemy, drag him away and kill him. That would have been the natural thing to expect from this, because in, in a biblical context, rightly understood, these words are a direct claim to divinity. Well, uh, it's a little bit harder for us to see that than it would have been for first century Jews, because we're not as steeped in the Old Testament as, as they were, and uh, in the ceremonies of the temple and so forth. Uh, so let's just backtrack a minute and, and, and look at this, this in context. Uh, note that our text begins with "Jesus spoke to them again, and that word again uh, draws us back to his previous statement, which was in uh, John seven verse thirty seven on the last and great day of the feast. Jesus stood up and cried out, "If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink uh, he 's at the Feast of Tabernacles. It's the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. He's announced that uh, if you're thirsty, uh, come to me. And he makes that announcement because of the water ceremony that I explained to you a few weeks ago uh, when we looked at that passage. Uh, the Jews had invented, it wasn't a mosaic stipulation, but the Jews for many uh, centuries had invented a temple ceremony during the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles, where the high priest every day of the feast would go to a well in Jerusalem out Outside the temple compound and bring water back to the temple and pour it out before the altar. And there would be a big procession following the priest from the well to the to the temple and so forth. And it was a remembering of the wilderness. Uh, situation. That's what the Feast of Booths and Tabernacles was all about. They lived in in uh, little lean-tos or little huts made of branches because that's how they lived for the forty years in the wilderness. And they're remembering in this ceremony, in this uh, feast, God bringing them out of Egypt into the Promised Land and their uh, journey when they lived in uh, in in booths or in uh, lean-tos made of branches. And uh, uh, during that time, God provided water. But God also did something else. God provided light. And they they followed the light. And so there was another ceremony well attested by uh, ancient uh, Jewish scholars, extra biblical sources. It's not found uh, in the Bible because it wasn't commanded by Moses. But they had another ceremony that every night of the feast of booths, they would light torches and uh, display these torches on a large candelabra uh, you know bigger than a a man very tall uh, but not candles on the candelabra normally you put candles on a candelabra but this was a huge uh, edifice and they put torches in place of candles and it would create a big light. They would do it at night when the, when the sun went down. They would make this big light and it would light up the whole temple compound and it would be so bright that it would shine beyond the temple compound. And uh, this was uh, to remember the light that led them in the wilderness. The light that was the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. There was a fire a fire inside a cloud, and that fire was uh, burning brightly, so brightly that if, they, if there was no cloud around it, it would destroy them. It was the light of God's glory. Uh, it, uh, the light of God's glory faded during the day. Uh, they didn't see it at the day, during the day, but they knew it was there. And uh, uh, then at night uh, they could see through the cloud the light of God's glory uh, filtered and protected by the the cloud surrounding it. It was the the cloud of God's presence, the cloud of God's glory. Sometimes called the uh, the Shekinah glory cloud. Shekinah means the presence, uh, the, uh, the the presence of His glory. And and this light shone for forty years and led them through the wilderness. Uh, they never knew from one day to the next whether that uh, light would uh, move. Sometimes it would settle on a place and they would camp there and sometimes they would camp for a day and then the light would move the next morning. And sometimes they would camp for a week and then they would move. And sometimes they would camp for a year and then they would move. But uh, whenever the light uh, moved, they followed it. And uh, this... Uh, uh, Cloud of God's presence, this glory light, uh, led them through the wilderness and they were remembering it in the Feast of Booths with this great uh, torch uh, every night. Now, in that context, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Follow me. Now, not only did... Uh, the, the light in the temple ceremony of the feast of booths uh recall the the light in the wilderness but almost all uh, the old testament a great deal of the old testament is steeped with uh, light imagery uh well-known verses the first verse of psalm 27 the lord is my light and my salvation uh light and salvation Belong to the Lord, the Lord is light, the Lord is salvation. Uh, that is a common theme throughout uh, the Old Testament. Uh, also, the Word is a light to my feet and a lamp on my path, or a lamp to my path and a light to my feet. I can't remember the exact words you probably know better than I do. But uh, again, the word is a light, and uh, it's the word of God is a light. So God is a light, His word is a light. And uh, this was, uh, again, uh, repeated many different ways in the Old Testament. Uh, there are many uh, times where the Old Testament refers to uh, the light of God's face. Uh, the people wanted to see the light of God's face. They wanted to see the light of God's glory. Remember Moses asking to see the glory of God and being told, no, you can't see it unmediated. You have to uh, be protected because it, it'll be too much for you. And the people longed for God's face to shine on them and God's enemies dreaded that his face would shine on them because if his face shone on the enemies of Israel, it destroyed them. Uh, In the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 23 and 24, we're told that in the new heavens and the new earth, There will be no sun or moon because uh, the light of the Lord will be our light day and night. And that picks up on an Old Testament theme from Isaiah 60 verse 19, which uh, says the Lord will be your everlasting light. Isaiah said, the Lord will be your everlasting light. And the author of uh, Revelation uh, picks up on that and says, yeah, in, in the new heavens and the earth, it'll be our only light. We won't need the sun and the moon anymore. We have the light of the Lord. So this theme of God being light is, is all through the Old Testament and then at the, at the feast, they're reminded of it through these torches every night. And in that context, Jesus says, I am the light. I am the light of the world, follow me. It's a claim to uh, being God himself. God in human flesh come down to be among men. And uh, it's for that reason that John says you would expect that they would kill him at this point. But God put a damper on that. God suppressed that uh, activity because his time had not yet come. No one takes his life uh, against uh, his will. He lays it down voluntarily at the right time. And so even though you would expect that they would be furious with this uh, in this context, understanding that God is light, God is our light and our salvation, and Jesus says, I am the light of the world, follow me and you will have the light of life. They didn't stone him, even though he made this great claim to divinity. Now what does this all mean for us? Well, it means for us that we have to follow Jesus. Well, now be careful that you understand rightly what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, many in the world today uh, simply means that, uh, that asks Uh, following Jesus is to ask the question, well, what would Jesus do in this situation? And what it amounts to is living lives of integrity and honesty and uh, self-sacrificial service. Following Jesus is be honest, speak the truth and uh, uh, take time to be considerate of the needs of others around you. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's following Jesus. Well, That's a consequence of following Jesus. But that's not the the essence of following Jesus. The essence of following Jesus is trusting Him. Believing Him. And trusting and believing Him even when it doesn't seem to make sense. Trusting Him and believing Him instead of trusting yourself and your own reasoning and your own thinking. Think again of that wilderness situation. You know... They had to follow that uh, cloud, that glory cloud, that light. Uh, They didn't know why it only stayed in one place for a night or for a week or for a year. It seemed to make no sense to them. They didn't get an explanation as why they had to stay this place only in one night and another place only a week and another place a month and another place a year. God simply said, you follow me. Don't, don't lean onto your own understanding. Don't take it into your head that you're going to say, Hey, you know what? That promised land where Abraham lived, why don't we just go there? Why, why do we have to follow this light? Let's just go there. No, you have to take it and do it God's way. You have to, to follow Him and trust Him. Or think when they were on the border of the promised land and they sent in the, the twelve spies. And uh, the the ten spies came back and said, oh, it's a terrible place. Uh, the, there's giants in the land and we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. And there's no way that we can ever go in there and take that land because those people are too powerful and too strong. And Caleb and Joshua said, no, we have to follow God. We to trust him. It, it, we may not, from a human perspective, it seems to make no sense. From a human perspective, it seems to lead to, to, to death. Uh, but, we have to follow. We have to trust. We have to believe. That's what it means to follow Jesus, is to trust Him. To, to trust His Word, and to believe His Word, and do what it says, even when our own reasoning would seem to lead us differently. There's a way that seems right to man but the proverb says the end of it is the way of death trusting him means trusting first of all that if if you confess your sins your your sins are forgiven you know it's it's really hard to, even for mature christian people not to fall back into a legalistic way of thinking it's it's our default position that that uh, Good deeds deserve to be rewarded, and we think of ourselves as good people, and so God is going to reward us for our good deeds. It's so hard to go back and say, no, even my best deeds are polluted by sin, and my only hope is, is not anything I've done. My only hope is in Jesus. And we have to go back to the gospel again and again and, and be thrilled again by unmerited, undeserved grace. And, and then we have to take his commandments and say, even though, The world mocks and ridicules because uh, uh, we have one day in seven as a day of rest or that uh, we're commanded to uh, tithe or that we're commanded to reserve our sexual expression for the the, uh, bonds of marriage or that we're not to uh, pursue the God of money and pleasure. The world mocks and ridicules and say, "You, you, you people are so foolish and stupid. We say, no. We trust God that his way is the right way, even though it uh, may seem to impoverish us or cause us to uh, to lose our jobs if we maintain the integrity of our faith. You know, that's becoming more and more the case now that uh, uh, if you uh, don't affirm the uh, transgender uh, agenda that uh, you could be uh, canceled, uh, your job could be lost, uh, you can be uh, denied uh, all kinds of uh, privileges and so forth. Uh, that's, that's what it means to live in the world, but not be of the world. We have to remember that we, we just trust God to take care of us. That's, that's what it means. To follow Jesus, is to trust Him, to trust His word, and to follow Him no matter what the world may do. Jesus is the light of the world. He's our life. He's the source of our knowledge and wisdom and truth. And He's the source of our joy. And because He is that, we are called to follow Him. May God give you grace to trust Him always. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for this, Your Word to us, that Jesus is the light of the world. And that if we follow Him, we will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Give us grace, O Father, to walk in that light and have that life. To follow Him no matter what we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.